From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. We're talking about spinal cord injury and what's available for people who are rehabilitating with Dr. Giselda Casella. She's part of the Spinal Cord Injury Program at Upstate in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. Welcome, Dr. Casella. Thank you to, for having me here. So that makes you a physiatrist. Tell As, us exactly. what that physiatrist is. Physiatrist is a doctor of rehabilitation. Rehabilitation. We are trained as a, a physician uh, after the, the, the medical school we have residency in rehabilitation which, which means that we are trained in neuromuscular diseases in in uh, uh, musculoskeletal diseases and childhood diseases too that affect function mobility adls ADL is activities of as daily living. Da exactly, activities of daily living. So our objective, our goal is to coordinate a big team of professionals uh, with also treat medical issues, medical uh, diseases that will affect function. Our objective is to improve function and help these patients to achieve their best functional um, potential. And after then on disease. top of that, after that training, you also have a fellowship um, uh, yes. from in spinal Absolutely. cord injury, right? Absolutely. While in a physical in PMNR residency, we do receive training for spinal cord injury. But if you want to be subspecialized in a spinal cord injury, you have to go to a, a fellowship in, in a ACGME-credited uh, spinal cord injury fellow and disorders fellowship. Okay. We only we not only see traumatic diseases, but also disorders of the spinal cord. I think because a lot of people, when you think of a spinal cord injury, you think of the trauma, the accident, or the skiing accident, or whatever. Um, but there's yes. a lot of other reasons that your spinal cord absolutely may be injured, right? that's correct. Uh, traumatic spinal cord injury compared with traumatic brain injury compared with stroke, heart, uh, cardiovascular disease, is not a very common disease. Uh, we have 17, about 17,000 new cases a year, and probably we have in the United States, according to the last spinal cord injury facts and figures, uh, we have a, probably about 350,000 people living with a spinal cord injury. And is it mostly um, most male? that is tra traumatic? Mostly okay. male. Eighty percent are male, but and when we you, don't we don't really know why it affects uh, men pro more. Probably because of the the causes of the spinal cord injury. Most of them are related to vehicle accidents, then oh, falls, okay. then uh, violence like gunshot wounds or um, other types of violence. So uh, probably that has to do with the predominant, okay. predominantly male population. Um, but when now that our uh, population is aging, we are seeing more and more spinal stenosis with myelopathies, cancers, and that tumors that are compressing or are. Um, originated in the spinal cord canal or adjacent structures, infections. Um, arthritis? Arthritis, arthritis oh. yes. Arthritis, the aging of the, 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 pop, the 
the bones around that in, envelop the spinal cord. They form osteophytes, herniated discs, all that encases uh, the spinal cord and can cause stenosis. And, and stenosis is a st just a um, when you you see not much space around the spinal cord and okay. can compress a, a compression so it's of the spine. Tighter spin. and yes, um, much tighter than the the usual. Uh, the spinal cord is bathed by the the a fluid that bathes the brain and the spinal cord, and when this stenosis is. Uh, progressing you see the the compression of the spinal cord and that can even cause severe deficits in function well what i wanted to ask you what are the types of things that a patient would see like what are some of the deficits someone would okay. deal with uh gait impairment multiple so falls ability to walk yes falls balance problems abnormal bladder function like patients start having incontinence or urinary retention, uh, spasms, uh, sensory abnormality, weakness. But sometimes it's just as simple as um, balance problems. Patients start falling. They don't know exactly what. Then they, they a physical exam will show uh, re changes in their reflexes, in the sensory distribution and the strength and then that alarms sounds the alarm for spinal steroids are these um, deficits that develop are they permanent well they can be permanent they can if they are very severe even after you do the the compression surgical decompression of the canal with a, a spinal surgeon uh, you never know how much recovery you, you will get after the surgery. You certainly stop the process, the progression that is slow but certain. If the, the stenosis cap keeps progressing, you're going to see deterioration of the function in months, years. So, But when you do the, the, the compression of the spinal canal, you may see some improvement, but definitely you stop the progression. We, okay. we don't know. That, that is why re, uh, rehabilitation is so important, because we, we will intervene after the surgery to maximize the, the recovery of these patients. So treatment usually involves some sort of surgery? For... Yes, for the spinal stenosis, if it is severe enough that is causing symptoms, yes. Now, some of the traumatic injuries, are those, uh, in, does well, that involve surgery too? So, most of them. If there is, uh, well, the, uh, a neurosurgeon, spine surgeon would be a better um, person to, to answer the question, but what we, we know is that if there is instability, it depends on the type of the injury. But if it is the instability in the spinal canal, yes, you have to to stabilize the the the, the bone and you have to decompress the, the canal to to improve the outcome. Um, obviously, infections need to be drained and treated and um, bleeds. 
sometimes you have uh, uh, now our, our population is aging with more uh, atrial fibrillation and more anticoagulant therapy they bleed you know we see that so it's a complicated it sounds like long term absolutely um, treatment and rehab absolutely absolutely all right. Well, this is Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Giselda Casella from Upstate's Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation about spinal cord injury. Um, all right. So does uh, spinal cord injury, does that impact a person's life expectancy or can you live, you know, a healthy life after having a spinal cord injury? Well, that answer is very complex because we, when you say traumatic spinal cord injury, we are, um, we have to limit to the different brackets. There are several types: tetraplegia, when you have all limbs involved. Tetraplegia Parap is all four limbs. For all four limbs, okay. and paraplegia, only two limbs, the lower extremities. Okay. Um, and you can be incomplete when you have motor or sensory incompleteness or complete when you have motor and sensory com uh, completeness. What do I mean? What do so we that have you, can't, you can't feel anything or, yes. or move? Absolutely. Okay. We have an exam that's called age exam. It is a very standardized exam where we classify patients from AIS, Asia Impairment Scale A, to E, that is full recovery. 1% uh, only of the patients. Full recovery is pretty yes. rare. Very rare. It can happen. Uh, we have a couple of uh, patients here. Um, but the majority of patients will be incomplete. They have some sensory or motor function left below the level of the injury. Complete, you don't have sensory or motor function below okay. the injury. You may have some very patchy um, exam, but still you don't have the, the, the motor or sensory. So depending on the level of the injury and the completeness of the injury, you see a different functional outcome. For example, if you have a C4, so C4, a patient has not much movement of the arms, very little movement. So tetraplegic, tetraplegic complete. Much. Okay. That has uh, complete sensory and and motor below C4. C4 is around your shoulders here. They are able to live without a respirator. They can breathe spontaneously, but they are completely dependent on care for everything. Sometimes they can move a little bit your, their arms, but they can be independent for wheelchair, wheel, power wheelchair mobility with a chin control, with a head control. Uh, so inter, um, technology is very helpful for these patients because they can move around with a well-adapted uh, wheelchair. On the other side, when you have a, if you have the same level, but an age AISD with a very mo uh, high motor score, these patients are 
community and leaders. Maybe they have a... So it's a, very, very individualized. Absolutely. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about the new technologies. Um, mm -hmm. We have an exoskeleton-assisted walking yes. device. Tell um, me about that. Okay, exoskeleton-assisted uh, walking is... It's been around for a while and was actually uh, started in the military to with the idea of making those super um, warriors able to carry heavier loads and stand longer walks, oh. yes. And then that was kind of transferred to the industry and then now to the health industry. Uh, and the, the, the concept around it is that the machine will do the walking for you. The machine has is literally a skeleton that is outside the body that has motors, a battery that does the walking for you. And the job of the patient is just keep balance with two crutches and shift weight with the trunk. So the machine reads the changes in 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 the position of the, the patient and can pace the, the step. So it sounds like this isn't for all patients with no. spinal cord injury, but you have to have some strength. Absolutely. And um, ability to... Absolutely. Not, for example, very high tetraplegic patients cannot use that. Um, we You have to individualize the, the, the use. Sure. Um, but as a general rule, you have to have good upper extremity strengths, strength. So most of the tetraplegic patients cannot do it. Most Is it a training device to help them uh, improve their own individual abilities, or is it more... Well, that's one of the benefits, but it, it is a locomotion device. Neat. Locomotion. So patients, for example, that are able to, that, that use a manual wheelchair and are able to transfer independently, they seem to be the best candidates. Well, so. thank you so much for telling us about this. My guest has been Dr. Giselda Casella from Upstate's Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.